If you've got your program, we're starting a brand new series today called Stronger Faith. If you don't mind grabbing that, opening it, the outline that's in there, I'm going to ask you to fill out a few things. You know, Muhammad Ali was known for calling himself the greatest. And maybe he was the greatest fighter of his time. He was certainly the strongest boxer of his day. Was he the greatest I want us in this series to turn to the book of Hebrews because it has its own list of the greatest heroes of our faith. Great men and some women of faith that are listed there that they were the greatest of their day, possibly any day for that matter. And in this series, we're going to explore the lives of the greatest heroes of Genesis And learn from them how we can have stronger faith in our lives in 2021. You know, people have often asked me, Pastor, how can I have stronger faith? Well, that's what this series is all about. It's about helping us to develop a stronger faith so that we can trust God more and stress out less. Doesn't that sound good? Here's the truth. We all need stronger faith. No matter how strong your faith is today, we all need it to be stronger because we're never going to reach our potential and live a life that pleases God without stronger faith. Hebrews 11, verse 6, the faith, the hall of fame, it's been called, the faith hall of fame, says in it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him, must believe that God exists and rewards those who sincerely seek him. We cannot please God without stronger faith because at some point in our life, no matter where you're at on that spectrum, God is going to ask us to step out of our comfort zone. He's going to ask us to take a risk for him. He's going to ask us to face a challenge or do something that we are not able to do on our own or in our own strength. If we're going to live the life that God wants us to live, if we're going to be the people that God wants us to be individually, and if we're going to be the church that God wants us to be collectively, then our faith has to get stronger. No matter how strong our faith is, it can be stronger, and that's God's plan for your life, to let him strengthen your faith as we move forward so our choice is we can allow god to strengthen our faith so that we can stand strong and experience his best for our life or we can keep worrying and we can keep getting overwhelmed and we can keep cowering in the face of obstacles given the choice i know we would all want to say raise my hand and say i want to choose stronger faith right So each week during this series, we're going to study some of the greatest heroes of our faith from the book of Genesis. And we're going to learn from their lives how we can strengthen our own faith in our Monday through Saturday lives here on this planet, even in the middle of a pandemic. So today I want to begin with one of the greatest people of faith in the Bible, a guy named Noah, a faith that obeys God no matter what. Now you're probably... a at least somewhat familiar with the story of Noah. It's found in Genesis. It begins, the story begins at a very low point for the human race. In fact, it begins with God saying that he sees that everyone in humanity, everyone in humanity, 
has lost their faith in God, has turned their back on God. And he looks and he finds just one man in his family, one man who's faithful. And God says, look, Noah, the whole world's turned evil. They've turned their backs on me. They've forgotten about God. And God even says, I'm even sorry that I ever made them, that I created them. So he says, I'm going to cause it to rain, and it's going to flood, and the waters are going to cover the entire face of the planet. And everyone in the human race, except for your family, Noah, is going to be wiped out. I'm going to save you. I'm going to save your wife. I'm going to save your sons. I'm going to save their wives so that I can start all over. Noah, I need you to build an ark. You got it? And Noah's response is, yes, I've got it. Whatever you say, God, I will do it. Just a couple of questions. What is rain? And what in the world is an ark? Now, there were oceans, seas, lakes at the time. So Noah knew what a boat was. In fact, there's evidence that he probably spent some time learning about building boats. You see, it had never rained at that point, though. The atmosphere was different. Noah had the faith to build an ark, even though he didn't understand what was going on. In fact, I want us to look at some of the circumstances surrounding Noah's life and his task. I mean, how much do you really know about Noah? How much do you know about Noah? Get it? Noah about Noah? Never mind, you'll get it later. So Nancy and I visited the Ark Encounter in northern Kentucky um, in June. I think I have a picture of that. Uh, it was amazing. Now let me just tell you, we're standing a long way away from the Ark to just get it into the picture. Because that Ark is is a football field and a half. It's so big it won't even fit in Hard Rock Stadium, not even diagonally, okay? So it's, it's huge, and going there was amazing. It needs to be on your bucket list. It needs to be on everybody's bucket list. Now, I've told some of you this, and I said in the first service, so I guess there's no turning back now. Nancy and I are talking about someday we're going to have a YouTube channel. We, we travel a lot, and we want on that YouTube channel kind of your bucket list and your suck it list. You know what I mean? Because some things you go to, you're just going, this is not what the, this is not what the, the review said it was going to be. This is a the disappointment, right? Well, I can tell you this. The Ark Encounter is the opposite of that. It far exceeded our expectations. We spent a whole day there and can't wait till we, our grandkids are old enough where we can go back. Everybody needs to drive all the way to northern Kentucky. It's north of Lexington, south of Cincinnati, and see the Ark Encounter because so much of what they have laid out is kind of like, you want proof? You want evidence? Here it all is. Prove us different. It was just incredible. We learned many things that I, that I really just didn't know. Um, first of all, it took Noah 55 to 75 years to build the ark. I'd always heard or heard pastor types say that it was 100, 120 years. Um, but they go painstakingly through pulling scripture from scripture to add up how old were they when they got married, when they had kids. And, and um, no, nope, they kind of prove it out. It's between 55, it has to be between 55 and 75 years exactly. But 75 years is a long time to work on a project. This wasn't a weekend do-it-yourself thing. This isn't a DIY 
kind of a project. This isn't, you know, if they had taken, you know, the HDTV cameras and had made this a mini-series, you know, just think of it, 75th season of the building of the ark. Join us as, no, you know, it, it takes a lot of time, a lot of faith, a lot of commitment, and an awful lot of obedience. The Bible says that God asked Noah to get seven pairs, how many, seven pairs of every clean animal. You've heard, you know, the animals, the animals, twosie, twosies, right? Not true. There was 14 of each animal, two, uh, seven sets of two, male and female alike, of all the clean animals, and most of them were clean. And then one pair, only two, of the unclean animals. That's where we get off track a little bit. That's a lot of animals. They estimate between 6,800 and 14,000 animals on, on, this one, on this one ark, this one boat. Do you know how long Noah and his family were in the ark? Well, we know it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, but it wasn't like whew, God turned off the water and shoo, they just jumped out of the boat on, on day 41, right? They were trapped in the ark together, in that boat together, for 10 and a half months. Now, I want you to think about that. Don't think of all the animals. Don't think of all the waste. By the way, they go through the whole process of how they got rid of the waste and how they ventilated the ark. Incredible. You really got to put it on your bucket list. But I want you to think about what must it have been like to be there for ten and a half months with your family. And the people I feel sorry about the mo- for the most wasn't Noah, wasn't his wife, wasn't his kid. It was their wives, you know. They, he probably, his three wives probably had uh, a wife from different uh, areas or ethnicities, um, and can you imagine being on a cruise? Anybody want to take a ten and a half month with your in- cruise with your in-laws? You know, no, no, no volunteers, no takers, free cruise. You know, ten and a half months building this ark. You see Noah's faith as he obeyed God, even when it didn't make sense, and even though nobody else was participating, everybody else was making fun of him. A faith that believed, you know, if I'm just going to obey God. And God's going to do something great, that God could bless him. This is why in the New Testament, the author of Hebrews, when he starts making a list of the greatest people of faith, this hall of faith, the first person that he named, you know who the first person on the list is? It's Noah. Verse 7, the verse right after the one I just read you, says it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him, about things that had never happened before. Now, before we take that verse down, I want you to circle some things. Circle the word faith. It was by faith, the fourth word on that that verse. Circle faith, and then I want you to circle he obeyed. Circle the word obeyed. Now, I want you to draw a line between faith and obeyed. Connect those two circles. And the reason why I want you to draw a line is because these two are closely linked. It was Noah's faith that enabled him to obey. It is our faith that enables us to obey. But here's what I want you to get. When we obey God, it makes our faith stronger. Every time we obey God, it leads us to have stronger faith. Because when I obey God and I do what God asks me to do, and then God comes through for me, he's there for me, he blesses my life, then I see, oh, I can trust him even more. So... 
my faith grows stronger when I obey and God comes through. And then when he asks me to do something else because I have stronger faith, I say, yes, and I obey. And what happens? He comes through for me. He blesses. He provides. And my faith grows stronger again. It, they build on each other. It's the opposite of kind of a vicious cycle where things trend downward. That's what happens when I disobey God and he doesn't come through and my faith shrinks and then he asks me to do something else and because my faith is smaller, weaker, I disobey again and that weakens my faith again. They're they're the total opposite. So here's what I want you to get. The biggest lesson we get from Noah's life is my faith grows stronger every time I obey God. Would you fill that in? On your outline, every time I obey God, my faith grows stronger. Faith and obedience are linked together, closely tied. Faith is what enables us, faith in God is what enables us to obey him and at least obedience. And our obedience then grows our faith in God. Whenever God asks you to do something small, just do it and your faith will grow. Whenever God asks you to do something big, just do it, obey and your faith will grow. Whenever God asks you to do something easy, do it. And your faith will grow. And whenever God asks you to do something difficult or hard, do it. Obey. Because every time I obey good, easy, stuff I want to do, small and large, every time it strengthens my faith. Because God comes through, he blesses my life, and I see that I can trust him more. And believe him more. And my faith grows. And it becomes easier and easier and easier the more of these you string together. So what I want us to do, hopefully I have enough time, is to give us four, four lessons from Noah's life. Four ways that my faith grows stronger from Noah's life. Number one, I want you to fill in, my faith grows stronger every time I obey God supremely. My faith grows stronger every time I obey God supremely. In the military, there's this person called the supreme commander, the one who makes the final call. Sometimes that may be the president of the United States. It's in, it's in every army, every, everywhere. Sometimes it's in that theater or that area of the, of the world. And you have other commanders. You have other officers. You have other people giving orders There are other people who have authority over your life in the military. But when orders contradict, when someone's order contradicts someone else's order, what do you do? You always follow the orders of the supreme commander. They get the final say. As Christians, our supreme commander, of course, is God. Yes, there are going to be other voices in your life. There are going to be other voices that speak into your life, maybe even have some authority over you from time to time, depending on what, what arena of life we're talking about. People that are going to, voices that are going to tell you how you should live your life and what you should do, but we must always follow and obey God's voice above all of those other voices because his is the supreme voice for us. So here's the key. We've got to decide that God's voice is going to be the voice that we listen to above all others. We obey, will we obey God supremely? It's your choice. I can't make that choice for you. I can't make that choice for my wife or for my kids, for my grandkids. 
Are we going to choose to obey God supremely, or are we going to obey our money? Or are we going to obey what culture says? Or are we going to obey what the crowd says to do? Whatever it is. Noah decided, you know what? I'm going to follow God above all the other competing voices. And he was going to obey God no matter what, supremely, even if no one else would. And they were not obeying God in his day. Look what it says in Genesis 6, 5 and 6. It says, The Lord observed the extent of human weakness on the earth. He saw everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil, so the Lord was sorry he had ever made them, put them on the earth. It broke his heart. A lot of times I have people that tell me, well, Pastor Jerry, I just don't have strong faith. I, I have all these doubts, just like Chip Ingram was talking about or Andy Stanley was talking about. I'm, I'm afraid all the time, and I, and I worry, and my faith isn't strong. Here's what I want you to get. It's so important. Write this down. The size of my faith is not nearly as important as the object of my faith. If you want to have stronger faith, the size of my faith is not nearly as important as the object of my faith. If you want to have stronger faith, the first step is not grow the size of your faith. The first step is making sure that we've placed our faith in the right thing. We, we have it in the right place. If I had just a little bit of faith in the right object, then great things are going to happen. But if I have great faith and put it in the wrong thing, then I'm really messed up. Stronger faith isn't how much you believe, isn't determined by how much you believe. It's determined by who you believe in. Some of you right now, you're struggling. You're struggling with this because you're saying, well, you know, I'm so worried and I'm just so scared and, you know, my faith isn't strong enough. It's not that your faith isn't strong enough. It's that you've put your faith in your career or you've put your faith in your 401K or or you put your faith in in someone else or, good grief, some people, you put your faith in you. You're your God. Little God, little weak God, right? And, and because of that, you have no peace. You have worry and you have, you have fright, but you don't have any, any peace. And you're wondering why you're scared all the time, why you're worried all the time, why you're overwhelmed all the time. Well, it's because you have your faith in the wrong thing. Because those things will always let you down. You just need a little faith in the right thing. Because stronger faith isn't determined by how much you believe. It's determined by who you put your faith in. That's what Jesus said, by the way. In the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. If you have faith even as small as a mustard seed, a mustard seed is so small, you put it in your hand, you can barely see it. He says, if you have a little faith, look what it says, you can say this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move nothing would be impossible. Jesus says it's not the size of your your faith. It's who you put your faith in. So what does that mean for us? Well, it means that if Noah can have a little faith and God can bless his life, then we only need a little faith for God to bless our life. We don't have to have perfect faith. I don't have perfect faith. You don't have perfect faith. 
We don't need perfect faith. We have a perfect God. So therefore, our faith doesn't have to be perfect. So you've got to put your faith in the right person. You must you be real clear. You must put your faith in Jesus Christ as the right person. So to grow stronger faith, I learned from Noah that, number one, I've got to obey God supremely. Number two, write this down. I learned from Noah my faith grows stronger every time I obey God consistently. You see, a lot of people say, well, you know what? I'm going to obey God over here in this area, but I'm not going to obey him over here in that area. I'm going to obey God kind of when I feel like it, when things are going good, but I'm not going to obey God when I don't feel like it, when things are going gooder or better. <laughs> um, I'm not going to obey God. No, if you want to grow your faith stronger, look at what Noah does. Think about it. 75 years of consistency. He consistently obeyed day after day after day for 75 years. Let me read this to you in Genesis 6, 14 through 16. God says, build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct the decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long. That's a football field and a half. 75 feet wide, 45 feet high, leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all around the boat, put a door on the side, and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Amazing feat of construction that God leads him to do, that they've duplicated up in Kentucky. you got to go see this. If there's anything you can say about Noah, is that he obeyed God consistently, and we're going to see in just a couple minutes, precisely as a result, his faith, his faith grew. So let me ask you a question. Have you made that choice? Have you made the choice to obey God, not just every now and then, not just when you feel like it, not just when it's easy, not just when everybody else is doing it, but every day for the rest of your life? It's a decision that's not that hard to make. You just make the decision. You know what? I look at my life. I've been making all my decisions on my own, and God... I'm just going to say this simple prayer from now on. You can make this your simple prayer. God, you tell me what to do, and I'll do it. Without even knowing what it is. Yeah, the answer is yes. You tell me what to do, and I'll do it. And some of you might think, well, you know, Jerry, I've been praying for direction in this situation. I, I've got this, this deal going on in this relationship. I just don't know what to do. You know, I'm praying. I'm asking God. I'm asking God. I'm asking God. You know, you told me to pray for wisdom. And God, has, God is silent. He's not telling me what to do yet. Well, one of the reasons why sometimes God doesn't tell us what to do with the decision that we're making or a situation that we have um, in our life right now is because we didn't do the last thing that he told us to do or the thing before that and the thing before that and the thing before that, right? I mean, think about why would God give me new clear directions? Okay, go ahead and do this. When the last time I asked him and the time before and the time before, he said, well, do this and do this and do this. And I've already been ignoring that. I haven't been being obedient. So maybe that situation that you're worried about right now, that thing, that decision you have to make right now, the thing that you really want God's input in your life right now, maybe the deal is God's not going to answer that or answer you until you go back to doing what is the last thing he told you to do. Sometimes we say, God, okay, Tell me what you want me to do. Then I'll decide if I'll do it. That's most of us. Most of us, 
as Americans, we want to know the whole path. We want to know, okay, God, show me the 99 steps and the pot of gold at the end of the, the rainbow, and then I'll go ahead and jump onto this ride. And that doesn't require any faith. God says, no, 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 Jerry, I want you to trust me. I'm going to give you step one. In fact, I'm not just going to give you step one and tell you to go do it. He says, I'm just going to say, follow me. I'm just going to, I'm going to lead you through it kind of a thing. So what he wants us to do with have our hearts right is to say, God, in advance, I'm telling you right now, this is what is called stronger faith. I'm telling you right now, God, in advance, the answer is yes. You tell me what to do. Yes, I'm going to do it before I even know what you're asking me to do. Now, when you start to understand how much God loves you and you start loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind, this gets easier. You're saying, you're saying, Jerry, just write God a blank check. Like he can just do whatever he wants. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Well, I can't do that. It's because your faith isn't strong enough yet. Well, how do I get stronger faith? I'm glad you're here for this series. So we're going to work through that. When God knows that you're willing to obey consistently, listen to him supremely, then he's going to give you the direction to go down the right path. So the question I want to ask you is, is there any area of your life where you're not obeying God consistently? Or maybe I should ask it this way. Why don't you write down all the areas of your life that we're not obeying God consistently? We want God to do something big in our life. Well, the first step is to begin to obey God in the small things, the things that we know to do. You know, it's funny. People say, well, I've been praying. Does God want me to love that person? You don't have to pray about that. God says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love, this is how you know you're my, disciple, you're my disciples, your love for one another. Am I supposed to love my Christian brother? You don't have to pray about that. You have to pray to do it, but you don't have to pray if to do it. Okay, God's already said that. Look what he says. Jesus says in Matthew 25, 21 about the small things. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful. There's that word faith. You've been faithful in this small amount. So, how, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Jesus says, listen, if I tell you to do something small, then do it. Obey. Because that means I can trust you to do even more. Consistent obedience builds stronger faith so that you can trust God when he asks you to do something really big. So I obey God supremely. I let him be the number one voice, the supreme commander. And then I obey God consistently, not just every now and then, not just when I feel like it. Third thing I learned from Noah is that my faith grows stronger when I obey God completely. Will you fill that in when I obey God completely? Now, that's what we like to do. Sometimes we like to kind of pick and choose. Or we like to go halfway or three-quarters of the way, but when things start getting hard, we're like, look, I, I like that commandment. I'm going to do that one. But, you know, this one, I, I'm not a big fan of this one. I've tried this one. This is a hard one. So I'm not going to it's, – it's not easy. So I don't mind. I don't obey. But, but that's not Noah. Look what Noah – Noah obeyed completely. In fact, when God says, I, I want you to build this giant ark, it's not even raining yet, but there's a flood coming. 
Noah could have said a lot of things. He could have made a lot of excuses. He could have said, well, well, God, that's 450 feet. That won't even fit in Hard Rock Stadium. What if I reduce that down to only one football field, not a football field and a half? Think how much time it would save me. Well, God, 14 animals of each of its kind, seven pairs. I've got to keep the males in the oh, my. What if we just have, you know, that song says two by two. You know, can't we just get two? He could have said, God, you know, why, why can't I just wait? Why, why do I have to do it now? But he didn't do that. Look what the Bible says. This is a great verse. Genesis 6.22. So Noah, look how he wrote it down. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. I want you to circle exactly. And then circle it again. And then circle it again. And circle it again and again. That's five agains. That's five times if you're going to do it exactly. Five times circle exactly. He didn't pick and choose what he was going to do. He did it exactly as God commanded he trusted God. Now, here's the question for us. How many times have we missed out on God's blessing on our lives because we decided we were going to cut corners? We all want shortcuts, don't we? I mean, that's part of the human condition. We, we, we want to we do the minimum to get the maximum. We want to invest the minimum amount of effort but have the maximum amount of impact and results. I jokingly say, you know, I, I think Christians especially, we're so gullible in those things. If, if you went home today and you turned on the TV and they said, you know, I want to sell you this for fifty nine ninety nine, I want to sell you Billy Graham in a bottle. All you got to do is take this little pill and you go to sleep and in 30 days you're going to be just like Billy Graham. You know that's not true, but there's plenty of us around who would say, well, it's only 60 bucks. What have I got to, what have I got to lose right here, right? I mean, we would try it, right? Because... And we're gullible that way. It's a shortcut. You know, I'm going to be like Mother Teresa in only a couple of months by taking these little pills. It's only $60. And, and it's totally not true. We know it's not true. But, man, we are, we are looking for the shortcut, aren't we? Now, please don't take my idea and go teach heresy everywhere. <laughs> people are like, oh, that's a good idea. That's not I, I, Yes, people would give it. But you would be ruining your life in theirs too. So repent. Repent of all those thoughts. So let me ask you. Is there a time when you've said, God, I'll listen to you here, but no, I'm not going to listen to you there. Or I would, I, I, I'm going to obey, but I'm only going to go so far. Is there an area in your life, or areas in your life, where you're only being partially obedient? Is there a decision or an area that you're holding back from God? It's like, well, God, you know, in this decision... You, you know, you, you go deal with all, you know, Afghanistan and 9-11 and world peace. And, and this, is, this is my career we're talking about here. These are my finances we're talking about. These are my kids we're talking about. I'm going to go ahead and make this decision, Lord. No, no, no. I already know what you're going to say. That's why I'm making the decision. Right? So we don't consult him on some things because, quite frankly, we are, ooh, we're not going to do that anyway. Is there an area of your life you're holding back from God? Because here's the thing. Look. Go back to the very basics of what you know. God loves you so much. He created you. He has a plan for your life. He, has, he wants the best for you. He cares about even the smallest details of your life. So he cares about whether you're going to obey him with the small things, the little things. Because he knows those small little things, those little acts of obedience, will build your faith muscles and give you stronger faith.
so that you can withstand the storms of life that might be coming weeks, months, years, even decades from now. So he cares about you. And when you decide to obey him, not partially, but you decide to obey him all the way, he says, I'm going to show you my plan, your path for your life. Proverbs 3, 5, and 5 and 6 are some of the most famous verses and quoted in Proverbs. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding, but seek his will in all you do. And he will show you which path to take. That's one of those, if you do this, I'll do this. It's a promise with a premise. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You trust in him with all your heart? Or are you leaning on your own understanding? And then it says, seek his will in all you do. That sounds a lot like, God, you tell me what to do and I'll do it. It's the same word, seek his will. God, you tell me your will, I'll do it. And all you do. And then he says, I will show you which path to take. He promises to show you. So I want you to remember this. I didn't give you the blanks to fill in for this, but you can write it down if you, if you so choose. Partial obedience is just disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. When, he, when we say, God, I'm going to go this far, but I'm not going to go all the way. I'm not going to give 100%. That's not obedience. That's a lack of trust. Only complete obedience is real obedience. So I've got to obey God supremely to strengthen my faith. I've got to obey God consistently to strengthen my faith. And then I've got to obey God completely. And finally, we learn from Noah... My faith grows stronger every time I obey God immediately. Now, before I get started on this one, I have a pop quiz. How many of you are parents? Raise your hand if you're parents. Real high and proud like you love your kids. Yeah, right? Some of you look a little confused. You're like, I don't know. Well, we have a class for that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going I'm I'm to I'm bring you parents back in because parents are smart in this, okay? They already know this. I've got to obey God immediately. That means when it comes to obeying God, we don't delay. We don't wait. We don't lay on the couch and ignore what God is saying. So although Noah had to wait 75 years for the rain to come, when the rain did come, he was ready to obey God again. God said, get in the boat. And it says that he got in the boat that day, and then it started raining. Genesis 7, verse 11 to 13, all the underground waters from the earth erupted. The rain fell in a mighty torrent from the sky. The very day, that very day, Noah had gone into the boat with his wife and his sons. I mean, God said, get in the boat. I'm going to close up the door even before it started raining. Even though he had waited 75 years and been obeying all along, he was ready for this. And he obeyed immediately. Listen, if there's any time in our life where we should hurry it's when God says to do something, when he asks us to do something. We shouldn't delay. Never delay. Obey God immediately whether we feel like it or not, whether we understand it or not, whether it's convenient or not. Now, every parent knows this. If you've asked your kid to do something, you ask your teenager, hey, go clean your room, take out the trash, you name it, do your homework. You know, their response is always, Why? And when, you're, when your child says, why, every parent has the same response, those magical four words that we always say, because I what? Said so. Now, 
Because I said so, just in those words, is not a good enough explanation for well, why. But why? Because I said so. But I want to know why. So for all of you teenagers that are watching online or you'll hear through the grapevine that I was talking about you, um, let me explain to you what because I said so really means. Because I said so doesn't just mean because I said so. What that means is, listen, do it now because I said so, which means because I know more than you know. I understand more than you understand. I can see farther down the path than you can see. You need to trust that I love you and that I want what's best for you. So do it now. Even though you don't understand, you do it now because you trust that I know what's best. All of that explanation is wrapped up in those four words because I said so. Now sometimes... God asks you to do something. He communicates through prayer. He communicates through reading the Bible. All those stuff Pastor Rich teaches you in class 201. And he says, I want you to do this. And our response, like a teenager on the couch, is why? Why do I have to do it now? And God's response is because I told you so. Just do it. And that's his only response. But I will interpret this for you. Okay? What he's saying when he says, just do it. Because I told you so. What he's saying is, my child, I love you. I created you. There's no one in this universe who wants more for you than I want for you. But understand, I can see further than you can see. I can see the future. I know more than you'll ever know. I know everything. And I understand things you will never understand. So what I need you to do is to trust me and trust in my love and do it now. Obey me completely and obey me immediately. Do it now. That's what God means when he says, just do it. That's what God means when he says, because I said so. Every parent knows what that means. Anytime God gives a command without a specific date, sometimes God will say, Jerry, I want you to do this this Christmas. Well, I got time. But other times he'll say, Jerry, I want you to do this. And there's no date in the future. When God speaks to us and he says, I want you to do this, like you're reading the Bible and says, do this, and there's no date attached to that, he means now. He means do it now. Well, God, why are you telling me now if you don't want me to do this two or three months from now? If God wants you to do it two or three months from now, he'll tell you two or three months. But if he doesn't tell you two or three months, he just said, it's not, I want you to do this any old time you feel like it. He's speaking to us. He's telling us, giving us direction. And when he says, follow me, he means like now, like get up, let's go. You know, pack up, we're gone. And he wants us to obey him. Let me have you write it down this way. I am having you write this one. Delayed obedience is disobedience. I said earlier, partial obedience is really disobedience, but same here. Delayed obedience is disobedience. You see, when we delay, we're questioning God. Do you really love me? Do you really know what's best for me? Do you really want what's best for me? So the question for us is, where have we been delaying something that you know you should do? That maybe you know that God wants you to do. Maybe, maybe there's somebody watching or maybe there's somebody here and, You've been staying in a very unhealthy and toxic relationship, and you know what God wants you to do. 
and you've delayed. Maybe there's somebody here and, or watching online who, maybe there's a sin in your life, and you know that God wants you to jettison that out of your life, but you just keep it around to keep playing with it, to keep keep it in your, instead of nixing it and getting out of your life, you just keep it around. Maybe you've been putting off taking an important step of faith. What's that next step? That's what we call it, next step 10. Some of you, it's getting baptized. It's like you, you've already chosen to follow Christ, but, but it's like, yeah, I'm not ready yet. And you need to take that next important step of faith. Or maybe it's not baptism. Maybe for you, it's become a member of a church family. Or maybe for you, it's you've been putting off another step, maybe a step in your career, or you've delayed tithing, or you've delayed um, something else. Listen, if you want the full blessing of God, you've got to ask him, God, what are you telling me to do that I haven't been doing? Everybody says, God never answers my prayer. Well, try praying that one. But he answers it. You know, God, what do you want me to do that I haven't been doing? And all of a sudden, God's answering all my prayers all of a sudden. Yeah, right. We just haven't been asking the right thing. What is God asking you to do today? Maybe, maybe you haven't been doing it for whatever reason. You've been delaying but now would be a good time to say, God, I want to start building my faith. This school year, I'm ready to start whatever you've been holding back on. For some of you, maybe the first step of obedience is you need to step across the line of faith and surrender your life to Jesus Christ today. So say yes to Jesus. You already believe that God sent him to die on the cross for your sins. You already believe that God rose him from the dead on Easter. But there's something holding you back. And if you're here and, or you're watching online and you're ready to finally step across the line of faith and make that official that, yep, I'm going to accept Jesus as my Savior and ask God to forgive me of my sins, I'm going to give you a, a moment to do that when we pray in just a second. But before we, before we start our prayer, I want you to see how Noah's story ends and how, he, how God blesses his obedience in chapter 9, verse 8 and 9. Verse 11 and 13, Then God told Noah and his sons, I hereby confirm my covenant with you and your descendants. Never again will I flood, will floodwaters kill all living creatures. Never again will a flood destroy the earth. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is a sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. You see, because of Noah's obedience, God not only blessed him, he not only blessed his sons and daughters-in-laws, but God blessed the whole human race. Through Noah's obedience. And here's what we don't realize. Our little acts of obedience and our big acts of obedience, they not only allow God to bless our life and our family life, but you don't know who else God is going to bless through your obedience. But it will be from generation to generation to generation in your family. It's just like the song that we sang at communion service. At the end of the communion service, we sang that the blessing song. And into your generation and every generation, your children and your children's children and their children, you're going to experience God's blessing. So don't let an obedience issue, big or small, keep God from blessing your life. Let's pray and ask him for help. As we pray, maybe there's an area of your life, as I was talking today, you, you know that there's this area of decision or there's this facet of your life where you haven't been obedient right now would you just make that decision in your heart you can decide right now you know god 
I'm just going to obey you. Today I'm going to obey. Why don't you make that your prayer? Say, God, I'm going to obey you consistently. God, maybe I've just been obeying every now and then, but not all the time. So, God, I want to obey you consistently. Maybe you're here, maybe you're watching, and and you need to pray, God, my commitment is I'm going to obey you completely. Maybe you haven't been obeying them all the way. I've been obeying in these areas that were easy, God. But in this really difficult area, I've been holding back from you. I haven't trusted you with this. But God, beginning today, I want to obey you completely. For some of you, maybe maybe it's immediately. Maybe you've been putting off a decision that you know that you should make. Maybe you've been... There's something you know that you should take this step. And today you just need to say, God, I obey immediately. I'm making that decision now. Whatever it is, make that commitment that you're going to obey God supremely. His voice. I want to hear you above all other voices, God. For those of you who might be here today or watching online and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, but... That's the first step in obedience is to say yes to Jesus. If you're ready to do that in your heart and in your mind, why don't you just pray this simple prayer and say, God, I believe you. I trust you. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins so that I can be forgiven. So now come into my life and forgive me of my sins. I want to follow you from now on. And you know what? When you pray that prayer, God does it. He comes into your life. He forgives your sin. He secures your eternity in heaven. But he also becomes the leader of your life. And he wants to help you to become the person he created you to be. Father, thank you for Noah. Thank you for all these great, the greatest heroes of our faith. Noah really was one of the greatest the greatest heroes and examples for us. Help us to follow his example and be obedient, to live out our faith as he did. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. It's Mel. I hope you'll think of Noah this week when God asks you to do things you don't understand or rather not do. Don't forget that Men's Monday Night Football and Ladies Bible Studies start this week. Have a great Sunday. See ya.